what else can I do in this world? Being a correctional officer, sitting in there, realizing, you know, this really isn't in line with my views anymore. And so how can I be a part of something that I don't even agree with? And so that was a big turning point for me also, just that intuition and just listening to myself. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you pursue more meaningful work. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more fulfilling work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to describe how he relaunched his career from being a correctional officer in a prison to becoming a strength coach. We'll discuss the meaning of an empowered mindset and the relationship between hard work and luck. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll explain why it's important to take stock of how you've changed over time. Today, I'm speaking with Jay Kali, who calls himself a strength architect who doesn't just build better bodies, he helps build strong, empowered women. He's motivated by a desire to help others take charge of their lives and become physically, mentally, and emotionally stronger. His major career pivot came when he decided to leave his government job as a federal law enforcement officer, sell all his stuff, and move to a city and country he'd never seen or lived before in his life. Now, I really enjoyed talking with Jay because he's got a lot of great energy, and I'm also very much on board with his philosophy that taking risks and bravely stepping into the unknown will eventually pay off. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 53. Jay spoke with me from Cancun, Mexico. Hello, Jay, and welcome to Career Relaunch. It is really exciting to have you on the show. Oh, what's up, Joseph, man? I am pumped to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. I appreciate your enthusiasm. And you're our first guest calling in from Mexico. So I want to talk about how you ended up there. And I also want to talk about your time in the military and as a prison guard. But I was wondering if you could start off by telling me about what you're focused on right now in your career in life as a strength coach there in Cancun, Mexico. You know what, Joseph, I got to first off give you props because I've already had other podcasts and you have people from Africa and UK and the US, man, you just, you're hitting everybody up from all over the world, man. Nice job. I try to get a diversity of people in here. So yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think is important for the show. Man, that is awesome, man. Okay, so a little bit about me real quick. I mean, I moved down here to Cancun a little bit over six years ago and I actually opened up my own fitness facility, the first of its kind here in Cancun. Had that going for about three years and after three years, I actually sold and closed both of my gyms and moved my whole entire business 100% online. So now I am a digital, I guess you could say, or a virtual strength coach, and I help women all over the world. Cool. Well, I want to come back and talk about that switch that you made going from what I'm going to call more of a traditional fitness coach to more of a virtual strength coach for women. But I want to go back in time because you got a really, really interesting history, Jay. And I know you haven't always been a strength coach. Um, and I know there's a lot to talk about there, but I want to go back and start by talking about your time in the military and why you chose to enlist in the army. Can you take us back to that time in your life and what led you down that road? Okay. Well, to be honest, it was 2002. I was 17 years old when I actually joined. The reason that I joined, I mean, we had 9-11 that just happened, you know, the year before then. So, you know, the patriotism was kind of running through, you know, living in Missouri and stuff. So that kind of had the line there, but also, you know, I, I wanted to do something with myself. So I wanted to, I wanted to take a step out and I knew that 
I wasn't going to go to college. And the only way to really progress myself was go to the military instead of being stuck in a little, little town. And was that decision to go to the military pretty clear for you? Like, did you know for sure you didn't want to go to college? And, and how were you so clear about that particular path? Because I know that's a really big decision to enlist in the army. I never had the expectation of ever going to college, to be honest, Joseph. I mean, it was just never really in my, uh, not where I grew up and lived from, you know? So, I mean, my, my whole idea and thought was, you know what, the only way that I'm going to get out of this situation that I'm in is going to the military. And what was your time like in the military? Can you just give us a glimpse into your day-to-day life and your experience of being in the military? I mean, my normal every day was kind of different because there's there's one point where I'd be deployed and there's one time where, you know, you're back in the States. So each time it's a little bit different. So whenever you're back in the States, you kind of have more what they call garrison. So you do more, you know, you look good and you clean your vehicles and you make sure you're, you're on top of your job. And then whenever you're deployed overseas, you know, that's a totally different game over there also. So the only mission over there is just to get back alive. Now, this show is is titled Career Relaunch, and we talk a lot about major career changes. And one of the career changes I want to talk about, just moving forward from that point in your life, is how you went from being in the army to working in a prison. And then after that, we're going to talk about your current life as a strength coach. How did you make that transition? And, and how did that particular opportunity come up for you? Actually, when I got out of the military, I don't know what you call it, like a buffer job, I guess. So it was kind of an interesting story because I actually worked as a, uh, a manager, a head manager at a strip club when I was down in Texas while I was actually waiting to get picked up by the feds for the law enforcement, the prison job, actually. So it's really a really interesting dynamic. So you're talking about career relaunches. Listen, I have done some relaunches, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've never actually stepped foot into a prison myself, Jay. And I was just wondering, can you just give a glimpse into what a typical day was like for you there working in a prison? And maybe we could start off by talking about exactly what your role was there. Straight in from the baseline as a correctional officer. And it's actually a really easy transition to go from someone who's in the military to a federal law enforcement job, right? You already had the training. You already So you're asking earlier, how was that transition? But inside the prison, for example, man, that's a a totally different world. I mean, we keep on talking about these different careers and honestly, it's, it's like huge, different going through different doors, right? And literally in a prison. So I think the first thing, whenever I first walked in one is the notice that you're locked in, man. Like there's no way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like once you go through the front door, that sliding door closes before the next one opens. It's called what they call a Sally port. That's the, the transfer phase. And once those doors close, you know, man, uh, I'm going into prison right now. I'm a little naive when it comes to this stuff. I guess my perceptions of prison are probably based on what I've seen in popular media. Like I was hooked on that series Prison Break for a <laughs> really long time. I loved that show. And I, I think what I found most fascinating about the show was the social dynamic that happens between the prisoners and the correctional officers. And I don't know how accurate that is or how much that reflects reality. We really can't really compare it to things on TV, right? I mean, you have an idea because obviously there, you do have those relationships, especially whenever you know there's times that you're walking into a unit that might have 150 inmates or prisoners in that one wing, I guess you can say, and you're in there by yourself and they're not locked behind doors. They don't have handcuffs on, you know, they're, they're free to walk around and move and you're the only guy back there. It's a different dynamic. It's a totally different dynamic. And I mean, and I'm sure across different levels also. So, I mean, if we really go deep in the prison 
lifestyle. I mean, you have different ones from county compared to city, compared to state, and all the way up to federal. So talking about the social interaction in a federal prison is a lot different than a lot of other prisons because you usually know the inmates are going to be there a lot longer. So it's a little bit more relaxed. That's what they usually call it club fed med, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. What were the kinds of prisoners that you were around? Like, what was the range of the types of people that you crossed paths with there in the prison? One of the prisons that I was at with the really cool thing about it was actually what they consider an administrative level prison. And what that means is it actually has every single classification type of inmate there. So you have the max lifers all the way to what they call campers who actually don't even sleep inside the prison. They sleep outside of the wire and they actually usually take care of the prison grounds and stuff. So when I was in prison, I worked with everyone. I worked with, you know, mental health inmates who would be locked up for the rest of their lives because, you know, they're, they're not fit to return to society. And then I've worked with inmates who would be getting out in the next two months and trying to get them ready for civilian life again. What was the toughest thing about working with those types of people as a correctional officer for you? So you can go in there thinking you're going to be in one place, let's say working with the inmates who are going to get out in two months. Next thing you know, you got to go work on an inmate who's locked up for the rest of his life, who has a mental health issue. And so, I mean, you have to wear a lot of different hats and you got to be able to change really, really quick. And I think that's probably one of the most challenging aspects of being in a prison like that, because you have so many different ranges of inmates. Yeah. So just a couple more questions about your life there before we move on to your transition and why you decided to leave It's a really fascinating environment. I'm just trying to think about being in an environment where you're surrounded by what I'm going to assume are mostly men who um, have done quite a few bad things in their lives and don't have a lot necessarily to lose. Yeah. What was one of the scariest things that happened to you when you were a correctional officer in that sort of an intense environment? The scariest point I would probably say is the chow hall. The chow hall is probably the most frightening place to be because you know what? You're trying to push through a lot of people really quick. I mean, you're feeding close to, let's say, 1,500 inmates or 1,000 inmates. You're trying to get them all through in, let's say, an hour and a half or two hours. That's quick. And then, you know, someone had a bad day or someone did this or someone did that. And then you got to worry about people cutting in line. I mean, it sounds ignorant. It sounds small. But, you know, respect goes a big way, especially in prison. And you disrespect someone, it can just spark. And in that chow hall, that's usually where it's going to go down. And that's probably the one of the most uh, frightening places, you know, seeing those guys when they get agitated and about to do something, but then you having the wherewithal, knowing, you know, not being complacent, knowing what's going on and being able to snap those guys out of it instantly too. It's not so much friendly like you see in TV. It's more of a respect. If you respect me, I'm going to respect you. I'm going to respect you if you respect me. And it goes back and forth. And that's probably the biggest thing that you learn in prison. Yeah, that was going to be my other question for you was what did you learn from being in that environment about yourself and also how to think about your own life? I would say the biggest thing is just be cool, you know, be cool, shorty, just relax, especially being, you know, from overseas and being in the military and stuff, you just automatically want to react instantly. Well, man, sometimes, you know, they can play on that and people don't realize that. So the best thing you do is just to be calm, level-headed, breathe a little bit and hopefully you'll find a you know a clear path in what you're trying to achieve. I got one more question about this, Jay, and then I will move on to your transition. I'm just thinking like I you and I have chatted on video cam before and you're clearly yeah. a lot bigger and stronger than I am. And I'm thinking oh, come if, on, it definitely <laughs> there's no question. If if I was in that environment myself, 
I would be really scared. Like, I, I mean, I think I would actually fear for my life and I'm not sure how well I would fare in that environment as, as yeah. someone who has spent most of my life working in offices and in the corporate world. How did you maintain your composure in an intense environment like that? When I was in the military, I don't think that I had the quote unquote, why well, I know I didn't have the body that you've seen, you know, whenever we video chat it, there's, there's no way. And I realized that, you know, I, I don't really believe that the military has the best physical conditioning there is, or at least for the army, in my personal opinion, to look your best and feel your best. And so whenever I went, when I went to the feds, I mean, I was, you know, I was overweight and I, I don't really feel I even got that much respect from anybody, not from the other correctional officers and not from the inmates, just because of how I looked. I was young. I was only 21. I was overweight and it was just a different world. Once again, I'll say that again, but that's actually kind of what sparked me really, really digging deeper into fitness is because of that. You know, I'm thinking, man, I'm going into this whole new world and I'm not on top of my game. What if something happens? You know, what if, you know, and, I, and it's just more of, I want to be prepared. You know, I already had the training and stuff like that from the military, but your looks will go a long way. And they see that, especially inmates well, and other people, you know what I'm saying? They see you take care of yourself. They see you're strong. They're, you know, they're not going to take advantage of the person who looks the strongest. Never. Nobody. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your transition and what triggered you to then move on to the world of fitness. And I think when we talked before, you had a moment of epiphany where you realized that you didn't want to continue working as a correctional officer in a prison. Can you just take us back to what you realized and why you decided to move on from this world? I was actually in there for about five years back and forth in the prison, you know, because I, I went to a couple of different prisons while I was in there. And in that time, it, I was just sitting there. Once again, I joined at 21. I'm sitting there about 25 at this time. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, is this all there is for me? You know, no offense, but you know, is this, is this the only thing I can do is just babysit grown men? I think there's something more for me to do. And that was pretty much just the epiphany on that, just sitting there, you know, eight, 16 hours every other night and just making your rounds and realizing I'm just watching grown men who can't take care of themselves. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. So I think you ended up selling all your stuff and then you decided to make a move. What made you decide that you needed to and wanted to make such a radical move that not only involved changing your career, but also changing where you lived and where you worked? I got a lot of pushback from a lot of people. I mean, I was leaving a quote unquote federal job, you know, a comfy job, a guaranteed job. I mean, I, I couldn't get fired from it unless I did something completely horribly wrong, which wasn't going to happen. You know, I was guaranteed money. You know what I mean? Like that's what everybody tells you, you know, the security, get that security, get that security. I mean, I joined at 21. I could have stayed in for 25 years, could have retired at 46. I mean, wow. I mean, everything looks like rainbows. Right. And I mean, I had people tell me constantly, man, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. You're just going to leave this good, comfy job like this. And I did. So if you've been talking about that to your listeners and, and you're getting pushback, listen, nobody wants to see you succeed except for you, in my opinion, and especially your coworkers. They don't want to see you do better than them because it's going to make them feel bad. That does tend to be the reaction from people whenever you decide to step off the beaten path is there's immediately this reaction that you're kind of crazy or yeah, how could you be doing something so reckless? You, in spite of that, decided to make a big move. How did you pull that off? It was more of, you know, what else can I do in this world? What more is there? And I realized I wasn't really in line with where I was at that time either. Being a correctional officer, sitting in there, realizing, you know, this really isn't in line with my views anymore. 
And so how can I be a part of something that I don't even agree with? And so that was a big turning point for me also, just that intuition and just listening to myself. Let's talk a little bit about the geographical move, because I know sometimes people who are listening to this are thinking they need to make a big change. And part of that change involves moving. At the same time, that can be really daunting. In your case, you move to a different country where they speak a different language, totally different culture. Can you just explain how you got yourself situated there in Cancun and why Cancun? I actually, I sold everything. So whenever I moved to Cancun, I actually only moved down here with like two of those big square tote things. You know what I'm saying? That you put like locks on. So that's what I came (laughs) down here with. Um, And I was actually really lucky because my dad ended up retiring down here. So it was more of, hey, won't you come down, keep me company, and you can do whatever. Now, granted, you know, sounded at 25, 26, that sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. Until you get down there and you realize, man, there's, I got to do something with myself. You know, I sat down here for about three months, really wasn't doing much. But I was like, man, I need to find something to do something with myself. So I got really lucky and having the place to come down and stay. The downside to that, though, is I was actually kicked out of my dad's house six months later. Why was that? I think because, I mean, it actually, and this sounds horrible, but it kind of along, goes along the same lines of some people just don't want to see you succeed. And not saying so much with him, I think he just maybe had a different idea of what I was coming down for. Because once I opened my gym, I was gone all the time. You know, so I mean, I would be gone by 5.30 in the morning, wouldn't get back till 10.30 at night. Whenever you think someone's coming down to be your companion, that's a lot different. So I think he kind of got upset a little bit about that. But I mean, once again... I'm 25, 26 years old. You know, I got to do something with myself. I just can't sit around your house all day long. And how does one go about starting a gym? Because that sounds really cool. Like, okay, I want to focus on fitness. I need to find a place where I can train people. How do you go about actually setting that sort of an infrastructure up for yourself? When I first got into this whole entrepreneur slash small business owner thing, I used to always say, no, it's all me. There's no luck. But I realized looking back, man, it's, it's all luck. When I got down here, you know, I just started reaching out and making connections and talking to people and realized there was another Mexican down here who also wanted to open a gym. And so we we're kind of along the same lines. And since he was Mexican and natural born here, and I was just a, a, a tourist or whatever, it was nice because we can go in together. And so going in with another Mexican helped me build that business. What was that like for you to now be training women, I think is your target market and helping people get fit as quite a contrast from what you were doing in the prisons. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, when I had the gyms, the gyms were open to everybody. So when I first had the gyms, I mean, it was the first fitness facility of its kind down here. It was more like a, almost like a CrossFit style gym, Oh, I but a a little bit different. And that hadn't really got down here, really popular down here yet. And so I kind of was really nice because I was actually on the cusp. So it was new, it was different. It got a lot of attention. I was able to open up two different gyms and it was, it went really, really well. So it's going well for you and you're enjoying it. I think you decided to eventually switch it from being a physical gym to more of an online virtual training program. What was that transition like for you and how did you manage to build that new type of fitness business for yourself? That was probably one of the hardest transitions. Um, And we can even go into that more, but it was a, I mean, it's a big transition going from, let's say a brick and mortar to, yeah, a hundred percent online. And that was, you know, you, you come to the point where after being with my partners for a little bit over three years or my partner for a little bit more than three years, you just realize you, we have different goals. You're not going the same direction I'm going and I'm not going the same direction you're going. So let's just call it quits and just shake it out and just split it 50, 50. And that's what we did. I got really lucky. Once again, I got really lucky in that too. 
Well, that's a great segue, Jay, into one of the last things I want to talk about with you before we wrap up with some of the things that are important to you right now, which is just a few of the lessons that you've learned along the way. And also as someone who works in the fitness space, some of the things that you think are useful and relevant to people as they think about their careers. And I wanted to start by talking about, first of all, this concept of luck, because you've mentioned it a couple times here that you feel like you've gotten pretty lucky. Every time you say that, I'm just thinking, was it really luck or was there something else about it? Because I guess I'm one of those people who maybe doesn't believe as much in luck. I feel like there's there's something else about it. But I was just wondering if we could just revisit the topic of luck and your perspectives on how much that's played a role in your life. I don't know. Maybe it's just me being modest. You know, at the same time, I'm really grateful. Maybe I don't know any other way to, to put it, right? But, you know, the biggest thing is, and maybe luck is the wrong word, but it always reminds me of that old quote. Now, I'm going to, I don't even remember who said it, but it was, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah. And you know, maybe just putting myself out in those different positions and trying things and realizing, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me pivot. Okay, that didn't work. Let me pivot. One of my favorite quotes I love telling people is, you take that risk, you step out and the universe will reward you. It might not come how you think it or when you think it's going to come, but just you taking that bold step out and taking that risk, I really do believe that the universe will reward you. And that's because you find it inside yourself. Once again, you learn how to pivot, you learn how to grow, you learn how to move. And that's what helped me the most. I was just wondering on that topic of risk, because I was actually going to ask you about that, was one of the things that you talk about is, is this topic of this like risk reward and the fact you take risks and the universe will reward you. Do you have any tips for people who are maybe less risk loving and a little bit more risk averse, how they can become more comfortable with risk? Getting comfortable being uncomfortable. That's uh, you know another thing I learned from my mentor, knowing that it's probably not going to be as bad as what you think it is. As many things that could go wrong, you know, like Jim Rohn used to say, what if's the language of the poor? Well, what if this, or what if that, or what if this? You know, you can always what if something to death, but until you take that step, until you take that action, then you're going to find out really what it is. And, you know, maybe it's because of how I do it. And I, I do what they call like burn the ships, you know, I, I burn them. I take that step and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this work. And maybe that's just inside of you. And I think that's inside of most entrepreneurs too. Whenever you realize, you know what? I don't want to sit in a prison all day long. I don't want to sit in this cubicle all day long. You know, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. Like Jamie Foxx's quote, what's on the other side of fear? Absolutely nothing. I think part of that is feeling empowered, right? To make a change. And I know one of the other things you talk about in your materials is this concept of having an empowered mindset. And I was wondering if you could just explain what you mean by an empowered mindset and how you apply that in your own career. We talk about, you know, we have to make these big moves, these big risks, or you got to move to Cancun or Africa to actually do something huge. No, you don't. You don't at all. And, and one of the biggest lessons that I learned and probably something that I would probably quote unquote, tell my younger self was make it work with both. You know, like another Jim Rohn quote is, you know, you make your living at work, but you make your fortune outside. So if you can figure out a way to work on your fortune outside of work or work on that business that you want to transition into, maybe that will help the more, you know, risk adverse people start working on little sides and then you can fully transition whenever it's full fledging machine. So I would say that's one of the biggest lessons I learned that you can do multiple things at one time. You don't have to say, you know what? No, forget my federal law enforcement job. I'm going to quit that. I'm going to move to Cancun. I'm going to open up. No, you don't need to make big moves like that. 
But if you want to open a gym, why couldn't you open a garage gym inside your house and get some people over and start getting you, you know, 10 people every other day coming in and paying you a couple of dollars? You know, it's just the small steps. Yeah, it's a really good point, Jay, about not forgetting these in-between options. Like it doesn't have to be so radical or extreme that there could be something that you could do, like a small step change that you could make that could open up some of these opportunities for yourself. What do you think stops people from doing these sort of side gigs? Because it sounds like that's a great idea. Like, okay, I'll, I'll start something on the side. Fear. That's the number one stop for everybody. Once again, what if? You know what I'm saying? If I would have said what if to myself and second guess myself. So this actually goes back into the empowered mindset. You know, are you empowering yourself whenever you say, well, what if I don't have enough money by the end of the month? Or what if this fails? Or, you know, I've tried this before and it hasn't worked. Man, there is a time in my business when I moved online, I went eight whole months without signing a new student. Bills were due. Things were happening. I was struggling. I was being tested. I want to see how much you want this. During those eight months, what's something that you learned about yourself going through that process of not having an income for an uncomfortable period of time? I realized how scarcity mindset I was. I realized how much of a need and want I was coming off on. You know, like when I would get onto these sales calls, I was in such a need to make that sale that it was just coming through my voice, I guess you can say. And it was just pushing people away. So going back to that empowered mindset, it's not just being, you know, silly and ignorant and like, oh, everything's all rainbows and sunshine. It's being legitimate what's happening, but knowing that you're working towards something and better days are coming. That's the empowered mindset, in my opinion. The knowing that belief in yourself, knowing that it's, your time is coming and you constantly work towards that every day. For those people who are not familiar with the Kaizen principle, you also talk about that and some of your uh, coaching materials. What is the Kaizen principle and how do you think that can help you in your career? The original Kaizen concept or word actually comes from Japan. Yes. And it's, yeah. they use it more of an application more to your work you know, but it's actually more towards your life. We get so caught up on perfectionism. I think all of us do, or we think of, okay, well, I'm not going to get it until it's done or until it's perfect at the very end. Well, you know, that that's really difficult to even get started. And so what I love about the Kaizen principle is it's just get 1% better some way in your life. Maybe you spend a little longer and read a book. Maybe you go for a little extra run. Maybe you go to the gym and lift weights. Maybe you read that business book, but in some form of your life, you're getting better just 1% every day. Great. Well, I want to wrap up, Jay, with something that I know is important to you and was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about the Catch a Lift Fund, which helps post 9-11 war veterans. What's that all about? I love Catch a Lift Fund. It's probably one of the first charities that I could really, really stand behind and support. And maybe it's because, you know, I'm a, I'm a war vet also, but the Catch a Lift Fund was created to help 9-11 or post 9-11 war veterans who were injured in Iraq or Afghanistan. And what they do is they, they raise money and they provide gym memberships or gym equipment for veterans at their house so they can start working on themselves. And, you know, as we know, working out builds your self-confidence and, you know, it makes you feel better about yourself and things like that. So that's actually what Catch a Lift does. They're, they're making war vets better. And so I love it. They're, they're awesome. All right. Well, I'll be sure to include a link to catchaliftfund.org, which is where people can go to make a donation to this charity, which I know is really important to you. Yes. Thank you so much, Joseph. Absolutely. Well, the very last thing I want to talk about, Jay, is your book, Educate, Demonstrate, and Motivate. Can you just give me a glimpse into what your book is all about? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think you actually just said it. Educate, Demonstrate, Motivate. So that's the book. It's broke down into three main sections. 
It's going to educate you on the benefits of strength training and fitness and taking care of yourself. I'm going to, the next session, I'm going to demonstrate it. So you actually have workout videos and exercises and things like that with actually me showing you how to do everything. And the last one's motivate, right? So teaching you, okay, how to build up that internal and external motivation, or like one of your other guests said, the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. You know, there's a lot of concepts that go into this. And that's once again, going back to that empowered mindset, you know, building that motivation. And that's actually what the book breaks down. My goal of the book was to be your last fitness and nutrition book that you're ever going to need in your life. And I think I've accomplished that. Cool. Well, I think people should definitely check that out. If people want to check out the book, where can they go? Well, you know what, Joseph, just for your listeners, right? Just for your listeners, because you've had me on here. I want to give back. They want to get it. I'm going to give them to it 100% for free, Joseph. Oh, How cool. about that? That's very kind of you. Yeah. yeah. So they can get the paperback version. So all this is free plus shipping, or they can actually download the digital copy today. And if they want to get it, just go to Kali Coaching, K-A-L-I Coaching.com and then forward slash secret gift, all one word, secret gift. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Jay. That's very kind of you to offer that. And I know that a lot of people, including me, are always looking for ways to to get more fit. And I always seem to get stuck after the first week of a new fitness regimen. So, so I'll have to check that out myself. <laughs> well, there's going to be a perfect chapter in there for you, buddy, that I'm telling you, it's going to help you maintain that fire is what it's called. You know, before I let you go, is there one tip that you have found works really well for your clients when they're feeling stuck on anything related to fitness. And I guess I'm asking that, like, this isn't a fitness show, but I think that there's a lot of lessons in sports and fitness that you can apply to your own life. Is there any one thing that you think has made a a really big difference to the people you work with? It's going to be the one that's going to surprise your people the most. If you've hit a plateau and you've been working and working and working and trying so hard, trying so hard, my number one recommendation for you, take a break, relax, take about a week off. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think you were going to say that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's actually not a crazy. bad idea. So, and everybody's like, what? Hold on. What do you mean? Take it a week off. So what, the, what happens is almost like a natural reset for your body. So what happens is our body's smart. They're super, you know, they adapt really quick. So if you're eating the same chicken and broccoli or chicken and spinach every day or, you know, the same meals day in and day out and doing the same workouts for the past three months, your body's adapted. So if you just take a break, relax, reset, and once you get back into it, you're going to see those, those changes again. Very cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to try that. And yeah. I'm, I'm not good at doing that. So that's a good reminder to me that I also need to take breaks. Well, I have taken up plenty of your time today, Jay. So thanks so much for fielding all of my many questions about your life. First of all, in the military, then as a correctional officer and currently working in the world of fitness as a strength coach. So thanks so much for telling us about some of the principles that have helped you in your life and the importance of making sure you take a break and also having an exit strategy. So best of luck with everything you have going on there in Kali Coaching. And I'm definitely going to check out your book, too. Oh, Joseph, please let me know what you think. Please check out the website. I would love to hear your feedback, man. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Jay's thoughts on how an empowered mindset led him to transition from the military to prisons and eventually to fitness coaching. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about why it's so important to take stock of how you've changed as a person so you can stay on the right track in your career. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I just wanted to thank A2 Hosting for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. A2 is the web host provider I use and trust for my own websites. They even offer 100% carbon neutral green hosting. For an easy, fast, and affordable way to get your personal website online today, visit careerrelaunch.net slash A2 to get 50% off your web hosting plan.
This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. And for today's Mental Fuel, I'd like to revisit this topic Jay mentioned about realizing that his own views had evolved to a point where he no longer felt at peace with the environment where he worked. And that got me thinking about how much my own priorities have changed during the different chapters of my career. And I like to use the word chapters to describe career journeys because I really do feel like there are distinct parts to each of our career stories where certain jobs play certain roles during certain stages of our lives. And I know that there are some people out there who say that people don't really change over time. And while I agree that certain aspects of our personality don't change, I definitely think I've changed over time and that each job I've had has also changed me. I'd say my career has maintained a forward velocity, but that I've made a few leaps onto different paths along the way. And in order to make those leaps, I had to first recognize that ending a chapter and starting a new chapter was a choice. That there's always this tension between trying to finish a chapter and trying to start a new one. I'll give you a couple recent examples. After I graduated from business school, my priority was to get some solid corporate experience and later on some managerial experience. So I went to a fairly traditional established company in the Bay Area to work in marketing. Jump forward a few years later and after getting married, work-life balance was becoming so much more important to me. And although I did like my life in the corporate world and I felt that that was valuable, for me, part of being married is about being able to actually spend some time with that person you've decided to marry. So that's when I decided to leave the corporate world behind to start my own career consultancy. And when I started my career consultancy, it was more of a coaching business. And I actually had this vision of going into companies to host workshops and do some executive coaching. And while I did do a little bit of that, I very quickly ended up shifting the majority of my work to public speaking and hosting career change and personal branding workshops for business schools. It was kind of a natural evolution, one I didn't necessarily plan for, but one that's actually worked out pretty well. Just last week, I was riding back to the airport in Barcelona after hosting some workshops for a business school there, and my wife and daughter were in the back seat because they decided to join me on this trip, and I was feeling really happy, and I was really happy because there was a time in my life when I would just stick really rigidly to how I felt my career should look. And we keep hammering away at achieving that vision no matter what other opportunities came up along the way. And I guess more recently, I've been trying to allow myself to roll with the punches a bit more, to not get too caught up with one particular outcome, but instead, as Jay mentioned, to try to focus on the big picture of what I'm trying to achieve. In this case, a flexible work life where I have an opportunity to create some meaningful impact with my work, but also maintain solid control of my time so I can spend it with my family, which is probably even more important to me now than ever before. So the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I often catch myself sometimes hanging on a bit too long to my initial plans of how I want things to go in my career based on who I was in the past. I've had plenty of examples where I held on a bit too long to certain ideas, which actually blinded me from seeing other roads that could be better for me. What about you? 
Are you hanging on to a certain path just because you're trying to finish what you started? Or because it's truly serving you in some way? Does it really make sense to keep going? Or is it time to close this chapter and begin another? What I'd like you to consider doing, especially if you're feeling a bit stuck with where to take your career, is to at least think about whether it's time to reassess your views of what matters most to you during this specific chapter of your career. Take the time to make a conscious choice about which specific priority you're trying to serve. If you're addressing that priority with the work you're doing now, great. But if not, you could actually take a proactive step right now to evolve your work so it can remain in step with how you yourself have evolved. This brings me to a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. So my challenge to you is to think about the upcoming year or two or three as a distinct chapter in your career. And if you were to name this chapter, what would it be called? What do you want it to be about? For example, is it about gaining more responsibility at work? Is it about achieving a certain level of visibility? Or is it about something totally different outside of work, like independence, family, fitness, social life, or personal growth? Once you decide what you want it to be about, try to take one action related to your career that moves you in that direction. If you want to read a recap of today's show, including all the key points and resources we discussed, you can go to careerrelaunch.net slash 53, where you can also read more about Jay and the work he does. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 53. Now, although I take it upon myself to reach out to specific guests I want to feature on this show, Jay is actually someone who applied to be on the show, and I'm always on the lookout for people out there like him who have a unique career change story to share. So if you're listening to this and you or someone you know has an interesting story you would like to share, you can apply to be a guest on Career Relaunch at careerrelaunch.net slash apply. I'm doing a fresh new batch of recordings right now and definitely looking for interesting guests to feature. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a special thanks again to Jay Kali for joining us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu and I'll see you next time. 